Well, church, we will close out our prayer series this morning. And I want us to remind us where we began. And we began in Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, in Matthew chapter 6, the, the disciples have said, Man, you know, Jesus, we've seen you praying all the time. Uh, you're good at it. I'm sure Jesus was really good at praying. And uh, they say, we want some of that. So they say, will you teach us to pray? And the first thing Jesus says is, don't pray like this. He says, don't pray to get something, whether it's your claim of this or that person, or to even get something from God by the fancy words you use. Don't, don't pray to get something, but instead, pray to know someone. Pray to know and be transformed by your God. And, you know, then he launches into the Lord's Prayer uh, where uh, he starts with, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, the, the prayer is this embrace of God who is our Father. He's the mighty King. He's the mighty one. He's, he's holy and just and powerful. But he's also our father. We get to embrace him, to talk with him, to be in relationship with him and, and be embraced by him and be held by him and carried by him and enjoy that relationship of embrace. But, but then there's that, you know, that next piece of, and then we submit. It's thy will be done. You know, in my life, would your will be done? In my household, would your will be done? And in my neighborhood, would your be, will be done? In, in, in my county, in my country, would, would your will be done? It's a, the, the, the prayer is this conversation. It's not about a transfer of information, but it's a conversation of embrace and submission. It's a conversation that transforms our lives as we come before and embrace by and submit to our Father in heaven as he meets us in prayer. Uh, so we'll begin uh, prayer like uh, the, the sermon, like we've begun every uh, sermon in this series. Well, if you're able, would you uh, kneel along with me? Uh, as you came in, you got this uh, morning and evening prayer guide. We've provided a couple different tools to help us in our prayer lives. And, and this is one I use. Uh, you know, here's a journal. I, you know, I get it out in the morning, and I, I, at first I, I commit my life to God. I, I write down, I, I just say, uh, God, I want to I praise you for who you are, and I want to commit my life to you. And I write a bit and, and, and in prayer, and then I, I just say, I want to submit my life to you. I, I want all my plans to be in submission to you. If you change them, I want to meet you in those and be present with you in those, God. And, and I want to be loving and kind to those around me. Even when you change my plans, I submit my plans to you. And then last, I, I accept. I accept your grace. Uh, that, that I might do what you've called me to do today, and I also accept your grace preemptively for uh, ways and times I fall short in doing what you've called me to do, so I accept your grace. Uh, so let's do that as we head into the beginning of this sermon uh, together. I'll guide us in silent prayer. And Father, we want to praise you first for who you are, that in seeing who you are, we would commit our time to you right now. So, God, we praise you, and we commit our lives to following you. And, God, uh, 
in light of who you are, we, we submit our plans to you, and, and particularly right now, we submit ourselves to you to, to hear from your scriptures and be changed by the truths of your scriptures, to be changed by who you are and who we are because of your grace. So God, would you, would you change us? We, we submit ourselves under your authority and to you as our, our good Father and our King. And Father, we accept your grace. God, we accept your grace to transform us, to mold us into the image and likeness of your Son. We want to live like him and live for him and with him in the power of your Spirit. And we accept your grace even for where we might have hard hearts and hard minds right now to the truths of what you share with us out of your Scripture. So God, we, we know you're gracious to forgive us and be patient with us and to mold us and change us. So we accept your grace. Father, would you meet us now? You are a worthy God, worthy of all our praise. You are our king. You're a kind, good father with us. Would you, would you transform our lives and walk with us closely as we walk with and follow you? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, this is what we're after. We're after a relationship with God in prayer, that conversation piece of listening to Him and talking with Him. Uh, from morning to evening, right, that in that conversation we might experience transformation and see Him move in our lives and through us. Uh, one way that tr that transformation comes is right in this passage. It's, it's, a, it's a wild promise. It says when we pray uh, to God in prayer with thanksgiving, when we embrace who He is and submit to who He is, that, that we might see the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. Rejoicing. I, I wore my uh, Meet Me at Starbucks sweater this morning. <laughs> this sermon's going to be different. Uh, this is just kind of the, hey, let's talk at Starbucks. <laughs> uh, where we come together and we just kind of have a conversation, uh, me with everyone here, uh, that I've had, um, well, probably hundreds of times over the past 18 years of pastoring. And in different seasons at different times, uh, these waves of anxiety and depression in our culture and in our own personal lives hit in different ways. And we're in one of those right now, in a big kind of way, particularly in the back end of COVID. Uh, maybe you saw uh, this article, uh, Teen Girls Engulfed in Violence and Trauma, the CDC Finds. This is an article just written last week uh, from a report that's taken every two years, uh, this one taken in 2021, of uh, youth and teens at at-risk behavior survey. Uh, 17,000 teens were uh, surveyed for this one of, of all walks of life, of all economic stratas, of uh, private school, public school, all uh, races, ethnicities, that are kind of all in this study. And this is uh, some of the stuff it reads. 
A first in some that, according to federal researchers who released this data Monday, uh, there's a record levels of feeling sad or hopeless. Record levels of feeling sad or homeless, hopeless. And nearly one in three high school girls reported in 2021 that they've seriously considered suicide. Up nearly 60% from a decade ago. One in three. Uh, next that, uh, almost three in five teenage girls reported feeling so persistently sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row during the previous year that they stopped regular activities. A figure that's doubled uh, what was shared of boys and the highest in a decade, the CDC reports. Three in five. One in three high school girls considering suicide. Uh, girls fared far worse in other measures, too, with higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse than boys and higher levels of being electronically bullied, according to the 89-page report. 13% had attempted suicides during the past year, according, uh, compared with 7% of boys. The pandemic took a, uh, took a heavy toll on adolescents who already struggled in depression, anxiety, and thoughts of suicide before it began. Many were cooped up in homes for months. They continued to grapple with social media pressures, academic strain, and family turmoil. Some lost parents and other relatives to COVID-19. This data makes it clear that young people in the U.S. are collectively experiencing a level of distress that calls us to act, the report said. Teens were hit hard by isolation, disruption of the pandemic, but many were also shaken by a series of high-profile cases of racial injustice, Close said. They're simultaneously navigating personal and family difficulties. It was trauma after trauma, especially for kids of color and low economic strata, she said. Uh, the, the article didn't kind of go into solutions. That would be too trite of a name anyway. Um, but one thing it said basically was, oh, we need our schools to kind of step it up in order to help us. Schools. And look, we do need to get better in our schools, but I think we also need to get better as the community of God, the church with the message of the gospel uh, to, to meet these times and these needs. Because here's the reality, and in a conversation after conversation, it shows me here's the reality. You don't need stats. You don't need stats to prove this is the reality for life right now. And many of us, personally, and many of us in our own families are wrestling with anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide. And all, kind of all in this uh, mental health crisis that's going on, uh, you, your kid, your friends, your family are wrestling in these kinds of areas. And then we hear a command that says, rejoice! And we're like, I want to, but I can't. And it's complicated, right? The... the Causes are complicated. I wish we could sit at Starbucks and, and talk for three, four hours together, <laughs> which I got to do with a friend this past week. The causes are complicated, right? We have, we've moved our, some of them, we, we've moved our lives online and relationships online. 
Right, so we're used to not, uh, we kind of supplanted real community, real relationship with online community and relationships, and, and so this substitute is not cutting it the way a real life relationship cuts it, where you can uh, work through struggles together and bear one another's burdens and, and hug each other, even the physicality of it, or, uh, or kind of uh, go through a conflict or a struggle in a way where you know, man, he or she is with me now for real. And, and not to mention the content that flies around online and the online bullying and all the stuff we read and how it influences our minds and our hearts and our lives. When we think about kids, particularly even in this article, the causes are complicated and we are confusing our kids, particularly within the sexual revolution that we're currently in. Just taking the building blocks of life and relationships and shaking them up in a way where, where little kids are questioning, man, am I this or that? And how does this function? And we're steering them in ways that lead to more confusion and more disaster and destruction. And we're in a culture of conflict, aren't we? Not love, <laughs> embrace and listening and walking with. But a culture of division and destroy, right? The, the other, uh, demonize, ostracize, and then crush them. It's a mental health crisis. Uh, sometimes, well, particularly, I, I, uh, the, the term mental health, uh, particularly when it's used in a colloquial kind of way, I, it's not a, uh, as, a, as helpful a term uh, for me, I think, when we talk about this, right? Because uh, sometimes when we uh, think uh, within the mental health realm, we're, we're thinking uh, just the medical and physical, that uh, there's a disregard for spiritual realities of, of being made for a relationship with the eternal God and how that impacts us and to live in relationship with His people. So sometimes it's just the medical or just the physical that's being talked about. And then uh, sometimes there's a, a disregard. It just is, right? It's not just medical and physical, but it's also, it kind of just is this way. And, and there's kind of a disregard for the, the causes socially or the causes religiously or spiritually that, that influence uh, the reality we're in in this mental health crisis. It's kind of what uh, the mental health world looks at uh, in the church and says, that's why I, I, I hate uh, how the church deals with this, right? Uh, sometimes it's so trite. It's just, hey, just pray about it and you'll get over this. You'll be happy. We try and live that out. It's like uh, this dualism kind of thing that, 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 that the body is bad, but spirituality is good. So just have more faith and you'll, be, you'll have smiles. <laughs> and that's not true either. It's not just fully physical and medical, and our causes are sometimes self-chosen, and it's not just straight spiritual and soul. Uh, we're, we're a blended people, physical and soul. We're blended people, physical and soul, and both are critical. So if your serotonin levels are, are low, man, you, you need to figure that out and work through that and get the medication needed. If you've got real historic trauma in your life, you'll need to see a counselor and slowly walk through that. And, and, and in every step of the way, this is going to be a physical and a medical kind of reality to slowly walk through. Anxiety, depression, mental illness all tied together. It's a huge bucket, which we have not enough time to talk about. We're not dualists here, it's both. Body, physical, mind, and spirit with the Lord. And, and here's, here's the thing. Could it be that the Lord is laying something out for us in Philippians chapter 4 here that could lead to life and flourishing? 
and is, is, is particularly addressing the spiritual realm of things, uh, between the, the real realm of spirituality between us and our God and between us and one another in community and relationship with Him that would lead to peace and rejoicing and flourishing as we slowly walk together with our physical and historic realities of who each of us are towards Christ with one another for real rejoicing. See, I think God wants us to experience wholeness and fullness and rejoicing as he lays out here in this passage. And, and Paul does too. It, uh, let me go into the passage here as we continue our Starbucks conversation together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Uh, so this, this passage, it's going to go command, prohibition, command, promise. That's the uh, kind of walking through the passage. There's a command, there's a prohibition, there's a do, a do not, then there's a do, another command, and then there's a, a promise. And here's what's happening. Paul is in jail in Rome. He's in jail at Rome. It's, it's close to the end of his life. He's writing back to this church in Philippi. And, and there's kind of a whole bunch of relational turmoil there. He talks about it in the uh, two verses just prior. And he talks about it in chapter 1. Kind of He says, hey, I, I'm about to die. <laughs> and he's kind of on this edge of being engulfed by anxiety, a lack of peace. And he's like, yeah, hopeless, right? And so he's writing this book to say, I, I want to have joy. Would you have joy? Would you have peace along with me? He's about to be executed in Rome. He knows it's coming. He says it in chapter 1, verse 20. But he says there's a peace that surpasses all understanding that is in our reach and grasp that the Lord wants for us. First command, rejoice. I find it interesting. Uh, Paul, God, com commands uh, an emotion. Rejoice. He says rejoice. And, and the first thing we say is, man, I, re I really want to rejoice. And then I love that Paul says, and again then I say, well, okay, rejoice. He, he doubles it up. He says, hey, I really want you to enjoy this. It's a, it's a command that we are to live out. Then verse 5, let your reasonableness or your gentleness of spirit, uh, the, the steadiness of your spirit be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So that's command number one. Rejoice, and, and that'll flow out in your gentleness. And then he says, prohibition, do not, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, he'll go on, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety primarily is when your perceived future is not your preferred future. When you look forward in history and your, uh, or in time, you say, my, my perceived future will not be my preferred future, and, and, and you need to do something about it. And, and it kind of grips our minds and our hearts, or, or in, our, in the moment, something is, is capturing me that, that gets a hold of my mind in an anxious kind of way of, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? And, and then our, our natural responses often compound the anxiety. Response number one, I'll, I'll avoid it. I'll get out of it. And we take this to an extreme. And it leads to uh, addictions and kind of hiding in an area, avoiding whatever is out there in terms of fear. Or we say, uh, man, I'm going to attack it, right? I'm going to get after it. Like, like it cannot go this way, so I got to do something about it. Or we take kind of the, the trite Christian way and we say, I'm going to put that on my list of something I want to happen or not to happen. I'm just going to say, I need to get this. I can't get that. And we come before our God, and it feels kind of like prayer, but it's not really. It's just a, a laundry list of things we need from him in order to get what we want. And our anxiety compounds. But look what the Lord says here. But in everything, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God this is the command but in everything by prayer and supplication let your request be made known to God with what with with thanksgiving so when we come before our God, the, the, the main umbrella, the, the width that, that covers all of our supplications, all of our conversation with Him, because prayer is not something we do, it's this relationship we have with our God, uh, that all of our, our supplications, our requests, they're covered in this umbrella of thanksgiving and praise. Of saying, you are a God worthy of my praise and thanks, and here's what I request of you. You, you are a God I, I, I'm asking something of, but first I'm telling you who you are and how wonderful you are in the midst of even this request. And then this promise comes along. The promise is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we have this conversation with God, which is covered in thanks and praise, and the, the peace of God himself will come and guard us. First, it's a peace that tra- uh, it transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense. We had just sung about it. It doesn't make sense in this circumstance or with that desire or with, with that fear of the future that, that there would be this peace now in my life. I, I'm headed in a bad way in my health or my job is headed down this way or this is happening in my kid's life. It doesn't make sense or this was in my past. It doesn't make sense that I would have this kind of peace. It's a peace that makes no sense and it's a piece of military grade too. That word there, guard, is a military term that would guard our hearts, set up the citadel around in a powerful way and say, that's the wellspring of your life, and God says, I'll come stand guard there. When we pray with thanksgiving. So to make sense of why thanksgiving is this critical piece of this conversation with God that leads to peace, I want us to take, uh, take us back to the garden when we were created for relationship with God because our Our first problem in this idea of, oh man, I'm praying, but I I have no peace, is that we think uh, prayer is something that we do versus the relationship that we have with our living God. And the, the doorway in is thanksgiving, and the doorway out is ingratitude or a questioning of who our God is in his character. Oh, let's let's go into Genesis chapter two, verse seven and following. I'll just tell the story. You don't need to turn there. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And God, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he formed, and in the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that's pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there too. So uh, this picture is uh, God creates humanity, and he, he, he gives us a relationship with himself. He breathes his soul into us that we would have life. And then he'll create a woman here, and in the midst of it, here's the command In the prohibition he'll give, verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die, die. He emphasizes it there. The Hebrew says it twice. You will die, die. So you get the picture. 
We're given an amazing relationship with the living God. He breathes life into us that we might relate with Him. And every tree of the garden is given. And, and it's awesome, right? He's got man, woman, God, and it's just, whoa, God, this is great. And there's one tree you can't eat from. And notice what Satan does. He jumps in in chapter 3, verses 1 and following. And he starts a question. He says, did God actually say you can't eat from that one tree? Hey, why don't you focus on the thing you don't have? Did God actually say you can't? And, and, and they have it all. And then in the midst, they say, but we don't have that. And, and look at verse 5. You know what Satan says? He says, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He says, you know why God said you can't eat of that? Because God is not good. He doesn't want you to have. He's withholding from you. See, uh, you have all this, but when you focus on what you don't have, what you need to know is you can't trust God. So rebel, run, hide from, get away. You are alone. He is not good. You can't trust him. And that's just what they do. They take from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil because in their ingratitude, in our ingratitude, in our rebellion, what we've said is you're not trustworthy. This or that is not enough. You are not enough. And it leaves us alone. And when we are alone, all we have left is our own attack, our own effort. They're kicked out of the garden in our ingratitude. We, we step back and we say, you're a God that I can't trust. I'll rebel from you. I'll avoid you. Uh, maybe I'll just slowly wander in apathy from you. But when we're alone, whatever it is in your future you're fearing, well, you better handle it on your own. You better work hard enough, do more, be good enough to get that, because if you don't, it, it's, you're lost. When you're alone, I mean, whatever you're fearing, whatever's bringing anxiety, you better avoid it. You better hide in alcoholism or pornography or, or over here in isolation uh, to keep your mind and your thoughts away from that. You better get away from this. Or maybe you just, man, if, when you're alone, what you would need is just this. And you pray these little trite prayers just to get this or that in your laundry list of wants. But the prayer of thanksgiving takes us into the praise and the course of our God. All through the passage where Paul's commanding this and leading the way to peace that surpasses all understanding, that would guard our hearts and minds, there's these phrases that, 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 that counteract alone, right? The Lord is at hand, verse 5 says. When he says, I live with gentleness, right? This, this, this calm spirit which knows the, the, what the Lord is at hand. Uh, this prayer of thanksgiving says, oh wait, your hand is in even this, carrying me in my suffering, walking me uh, in graces I didn't even know about in my past history when that occurred, and now you're carrying me even today. Uh, your, your hand is carrying me even in tomorrow. The Lord is at hand. He is, he is present with us, with us, close to us, at hand. But he's also at hand that, that he will return. See, um, my perceived future in the future will be my preferred future. The Lord is at hand. His, his return is nigh. It's close. He is, he's at hand. Like, he's with us now, and he is returning to make all things right, to walk with us into eternity when all is made right. And when we come with him, to him with thanksgiving and praise, what we realize is, oh, my God, you are my God, and you carry me. You've been carrying me, you're carrying me now, and you're walking with me in the future. You are my, I don't know what the future holds, but yeah, I know you are holding me with it. 
Verse 7 is the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. Thanksgiving leads us to Him, who He is. Verse 8, Paul's going to say, hey, look, finally, in prayer, right, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is trustworthy, uh, these good things, God Himself, let our hearts and our minds dwell on Him in conversation with Him. That it would actually begin to reshape uh, the channels of our mind that we might know the peace that he offers because we would uh, come to know and embrace him both in relationship and in reshaping even of who we are physically. Uh, A licensed psychiatrist in our uh, body, he wrote some stuff for me about this and I'd like to read it now. An anxious person's mind is consumed with different catastrophic versions of potential threat and internal dialogue that contain what-if statements while the anxious person is still in the present moment. Neuroscientists, for the most part, have pointed to an active, uh, an overactive amygdala as one of the culprits of anxiety. It doesn't matter if the fear is real or just perceived. Uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel, a UCLA professor and the developer of interpersonal neurobiology, stated in his book, The Developing Mind, this, that interpersonal relationships create the structures and the functions of the brain. And, And furthermore, that staying close to a protective loved one is the main survival strategy of our species. And that proximity calms the nervous system. We've all seen how a dysregulated or distressed baby stops crying when we bring that infant close to us and rock them in our arms. Or when a grieving person is calmed down by a reassuring hug and comforted by, uh, and made safe by a loved one. Truly, a safe and secure relationship is relaxing. Thanksgiving takes us into the courts and praise and the arms of our God. Relationship. Secondly, Essentially, uh, he goes on and others he quotes go on, essentially the shape of the brain is altered based on what one is thinking. And so it's so amazing when Paul writes this out in verses 8 and following. Recent studies have shown that different therapeutic techniques such as meditation, thankfulness training, and mindfulness can rebalance the brain and restore it to its optimum functioning. It's interesting that in verse 9, Paul uses the word practice to change us from an anxious state of mind to a peaceful brain state. This ability to change brain structure is what neuroscientists call neuroplasticity. And here's what the psychologist from professor of University of uh, Washington School of Medicine says. Neuroplasticity is a constant pruning and linking of neurons that mold the brain in response to experience. Neuroplasticity is called experience-dependent plasticity because repeated experiences strengthen linkages uh, among involved neurons and allow linkages with uninvolved neurons to die. So he explains further, your brain is molded by what you practice, which is both good and bad. The bad news is that your brain is molded by your sin and forces outside of your control. And the good news is that you can intentionally harness your neuroplasticity by focusing your attention and making choices in in prayer and otherwise, that your brain is always under development. I love that. Your brain is always under development, a process that never stops and in which you can actively participate Your brain is always under development, a process that never stops in which you can actively participate. A couple anxiety increasers as we will then close in prayer together. Anxiety increasers, in a sense not focusing in these places, not drawing close to our God in a conversation that leads to transformation of thanksgiving. Uh, The first is uh, 
it hits me every, every Sunday. <laughs> um, my screen time. It's just flat out screen time. Uh, so much time is spent. For most of us, it's the first thing we look at when we wake up. Our eyes open and immediately the input of whatever finds itself on our screen starts shaping our minds and our hearts. Screen time. Isolation and the content itself transforms our minds and our hearts. How about lack of community, anxiety increasers, physical community particularly over these past two years? And an anxiety increaser, here's, I'll put it this way, a a family or an individual will come on a Sunday after they've been absent for for sometimes two years. And here's, it'll be some variance of this, but here's what they'll say every time. I mean, without uh, uh, a miss. Oh, that was good for my soul. That was good for my soul to see others and worship together and hear their words in my head. That was good for my soul to be together. So if you found yourself out of community group or you're not in community group or 3Ds, man, dive into physical relationships with others. Uh, Come physically to worship. I'm glad you're online, but be here. It will be good for your soul. Another anxiety increasers. Ignoring physical and historic realities of your body and life. If you just say, hey, I'm going to pray this out, right? And, and there's some uh, physical realities like a, a, a low amount of serotonin in your body or an overactive amygdala. Like if these are realities for your body or if there's some uh, historic uh, past trauma, like these are things that must be dealt with over time. Did I say amygdala? I pronounced that wrong, didn't you? Amygdala. Secondly, ignoring the Lord. You know, sometimes we attack these with just physical means, but sitting with the Lord in prayer over and over again in the scriptures, being transformed. We've got to be there. I'm in a state in life right now with just a lot of kids and a lot of stuff. (laughs) And a lot of church. (laughs) And I'm telling you, if I miss one or two days sitting with the Lord, I know it. Anxiety and anger just skyrockets immediately. I see it in the way I treat my kids. I see it in the way my mind turns at night. Ignoring the Lord or ignoring physical and historic realities both will lead to disaster. So here's what I want us to do. There's kind of two ways into the course of praise, right? To, to, to be with our God uh, in thanksgiving and praise. Uh, Psalm 100 talks about it like this. He says, you know, come into his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise, right? Like uh, come in uh, to the uh, presence of God. It's not just a command or a correction. It's actually kind of the how-to. It's the doorway in with praise and thanksgiving into relationship with the living God. There's two ways to get there. Uh, one, I would say, and there's many others. I found these most helpful. One is through the Scriptures, kind of knowing who our God is and bringing that down to earth right now, uh, getting into the Scriptures and saying, who is my God? What is true of Him? And then what is true of me in response to who He is in the Gospel? Uh, so spending time in praise and thanksgiving around the realities of who He is and who I am in the Gospel. And then the second is getting right down the nitty-gritty of my circumstance. And looking at it and saying, what do I have to praise God for and thank God for in the past of this place of anxiety? Whether it be my health or my children or this or that relationship or lack thereof. But what do I have to praise Him for? Even even if it's just carrying me and now in the present, what do I have to praise and thank Him for in this area of anxiety? And then what do I know to be true of Him then in the future? If He was and He is, He will be, right? 
So let's do some of this together as we close out our sermon together. We'll close with evening prayer, right? That our conversation might continue from morning to evening together. I want us to spend some time in praise and thanksgiving together with him. Now, this is what I do at the end of my day. I rejoice. I'll write down, what am I rejoicing over today? I'll repent, then I'll say, man, shoot, Lord, forgive me for this or that thing. And then I'll receive what he wants for me or from me, my circumstances or in the scriptures. So let's do this together as we talk to our God. Father, some of us are feeling a heavy weight of anxiety right now. From this or that circumstance, or just the physical makeup of our bodies, or something in our past. God, all of us now stop right before you and we rejoice. It may, not, it may not even feel great, God. As peace sometimes doesn't just feel great. But we stop and we thank you for who you were in our lives. We thank you for who you are today. And we thank you for who you, we know you will be. So we rejoice over who you are, God, first in praise of you now. Father, we repent. We want to turn back from living life alone, thinking that we have to claw our way through whatever circumstance we're in or that you're not with us or you're not good or you're absent. We repent from even trying to avoid these things we don't even want to think about or approach. And we repent for treating our relationship with you just as a trite list of give me this or that. God, draw us to yourself now. Father, we close by receiving. We receive your grace. Because we know you sent your son. And we want to consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that we would not grow weary or lose hope. God, we know that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of you. (laughs) So God, would you help us fix our eyes on him, that he might be the author and the perfecter of our faith, that we would see how good and excellent and right he is. We would know he's with us now, carrying us now and into our future. And we would know that, 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 Father, you are at hand. You You are present with us now, and you are returning to make all things new. God, thank you for making us your sons and daughters by grace. We receive that truth. Whenever you're ready, you can take communion and sing praises to our God.